This recording is a production of Faith Builders Resource Group. This recording was made at REACH 2017, held on March 23 and 24, 2017, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. That he who aims at nothing hits it every time. And so my challenge for you is to think about what you're aiming at. And so uh, I'm assuming most of you came armed with some sort of paper and are writing utensils, so I would ask that you take it out and do your first essay of the day. As you think about graduating and moving on from high school, I'm wanting you to start thinking about where am I going? And so I want you to just pause and take one minute to write a bit about In two years, two years from now, on the other side of this transition, where will I be? Envision where you would ideally be two years hence. And I would like you to just write it down. It could be a couple of bullet points, uh, but I'm going to stop my mouth here very soon and give you a minute of silence to just write down where would I like to be two years from now. Survival here may call for some improvisation, so again, feel free to do whatever it takes to be comfortable. If sitting down on the floor helps, if hanging from the ceiling helps, whatever works. Uh, moving around, feel free to come, lean against the, uh, go wherever you want. Just, I, I would probably die if I had to stand back there the whole time, so do what it takes. Okay, so you just wrote down, I hope, a couple of things about where you would like to be two years from now. And the fact that you wrote it down cannot guarantee that you will arrive there. But I hope it starts your thinking toward a specific goal. So today, I would like to just talk about five words to help us prepare for finding God's purpose through this transition. Steps to finding God's purpose. The first one is to strategize. To prepare, to think, to plan, to get a a goal in mind. So if I want to get to there from here, I need to think about what it might take to launch and get to that place. So there's a couple of things that I want to look at, a couple of gets. And the first one is, Get clear under the title of strategize. Get clear. Who is calling the shots in my life? Am I really sold out for God? Uh, You just heard a call to battle in the last session. Am I really sold out for that cause? Am I really serious? about serving God? Or am I more worried about what my youth group will think about my car? Am I really concerned about what God thinks? Are my clothes designed to draw attention to me? Or to me? Or do they camouflage me so that people can see God's love? 
Are the things that are coming out of my mouth, are the things that I'm doing, are they pointing people to God? Are they, again, drawing attention to me? What is my ultimate purpose? Purpose. Christ calls us to lay down our lives for the kingdom. However, it's become very fashionable in many of our circles to keep our lives and ask God to bless it. Living for two masters is challenging, confusing, and oftentimes disillusioning to others. So are we truly saying, here I am, Lord, send me? And I'm going to assume that that is the starting point in this transition. Am I following Christ? That makes a lot of things clear. So as we think about strategizing, preparing, getting a plan, in the absence of that plan being written on the sky somewhere, uh, what am I supposed to do? This is probably one of the most common questions for people your age. How do I find God's will for my life? What do I do? What is the next step? If you would just tell me, I would do it. Well, I hate to break it to you, but it probably won't get written on the sky. And so in the absence of a clear direction, go to Haiti. What do I do? Well, there's some things you can do in the meantime. First of all, it was get clear. The second one is get free. Many young people put themselves voluntarily into bondage at this stage of their life. Sometimes that bondage is in the form of a car payment. Uh, There's all sorts of financial ways to get ourselves into bondage, to tie ourselves down. I I sympathize with you people. I I hear that your car insurance is just a killer. Uh, I, I, I think I can insure my house and three cars for what it takes to insure one of you guys in a car. I, my sympathy, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing these things, but I'm also a daddy who has teenagers going. <laughs> um, get free. Is my conscience clear? I was once a teenager, a long time ago, and I did a number of things that I am not proud of. I uh, lived in a neighborhood, and I hung out with a lot of kids, a number of kids. And I did things with some of those kids that I regretted. And as I grew and began to follow Christ, the things that I did with those guys bothered me, guys and gals. And so I would pray. Lord, please forgive me. And uh, I still felt bad. And I'd pray again, and I'd pray some more. And I, I honestly didn't know, and I still don't know, 
whether it was Satan buffeting me or if it was God telling me something. But what I knew was I didn't have peace in my heart. I knew I had done wrong things with certain people, and it still was just eating me up. And so I began the one of the probably one of the hardest things I've ever done is over over a couple of years I started cleaning up from my early teenage years. And I would go to a person that I did something with that I was not supposed to that had been eating me and I would apologize. And it was some of the hardest stuff I've ever done. A lot of people would say, well, that's, you know, well, it wasn't that big of a deal. But I'd go to this friend and I would say, you know, that wasn't right. I'm sorry. And, and I was free. I was free. But I, I guess I saved some of the hardest ones for last. I'm like 21. And I'm knocking on the neighbor girl's house. And I came to apologize for some stuff I did when I was probably 13. And it had been eating me for like seven years. You want to talk about one of the, some of the hardest things I've ever done. And I said, I, I'm here to say I'm sorry. And it didn't take but a couple of minutes. And seven years of anguish were gone. But there was one that was left. There was something I'd done that it was not right. The person had moved out of state. And it just bugged me year after year after year, like for a decade. The person moved out of state. I didn't know where to find them. I didn't send the FBI after them. Uh, but... You know, I was just like, Lord, if I'm supposed to correct this one, I mean, please give me an opportunity. Now, I'm, I'm married now. But this is still bugging me. It's still just eating the inside of me. I, I'm still not sure exactly what it was. If it was Satan bothering me, if it was God just saying, you need to fix this one. But what I knew was I wasn't free. I was still just a little bit scared to die because I wasn't sure. Was. Every time communion came around, I was just a little uneasy. And I was at a wedding and here was this gal. And so I went up to her and I said, I need to apologize for something. And she didn't even remember it. But for 10 years, I had been a prisoner. And when I walked out of that building, I was free. That was the last one on my list. And I'm free. I'm free. And... That just changes your whole life when you're free. There's some people out there that can say, I did some pretty stupid things. But I can say, yeah, but I also said, I'm sorry. And it wasn't right. And I'm free. Get free. It's one of the biggest things you can do. I'm telling you, when, when something like that is eating you for a decade... You look back and say, so dumb. I mean, why didn't I do it? It took five minutes. It was a little bit embarrassing. Why didn't I do it sooner? The hardest things I've done, and, and there were those things that just imprisoned me for years. Get free. Get a clear conscience. Get real. Who am I? Start finding out who you are. Knock, knock. Who am I? Uh... <laughs> You know, God made each one of you with particular gifts. And let's start figuring out what they are. 
He has a purpose for your life. He made some of you tall, some of you short, some of you are outgoing, some of you aren't. It's okay. He created you for a purpose. Start figuring it out. There's tools out there that help us get there. And one of the things in the old fuddy-duddy world where I live is we take this expensive test called the DISC. I don't even know what it stands for. Uh, but like when I'm hiring an employee, I like to give them the DISC test because it tells me a whole bunch of stuff about them. Stuff they may not have even known. Uh, so when I took the DISC test, my boss made me do it. Um, and it get, prints out like this 10-page report. And it tells me all this stuff about me. It lists the attributes of Glendon. And I'm like, oh, okay. Man, they nailed it. Do they know me? This is freaky. Um, it, it lists out what motivates Glendon. I'm like, oh, yeah. That makes sense. Didn't really know that before. Um, it, it lists what is the preferred environment for Glendon to work in. Oh, yeah. I do better when, when that happens. Yeah. Um, it lists things Glendon tends to avoid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do avoid them. Um, it says things Glendon would increase his effectiveness by. Oh, oh yeah. I should knock that off. Um, it lists demotivating factors. If Glendon gets a job where he has to constantly do this, he's going to be bored. Helpful information, maybe? Um, it says, in a conflict situation, Glendon will. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. There's things like this out there. Uh, some are more helpful than others. Uh, there's actually a bunch of disks out there. Uh, not all of them are equal. Uh, but that's one thing. Uh, uh, Crown Financial, they have this thing called Career Direct. There's, there's different tools. But all I want to say is start... Keeping your ears open and find out who you are. What God created you to do. What are the skills? What are the gifts? And the next one is get trained. As I strategize, as I start thinking about where am I going, uh, get trained. I'll tell you one of the, the most simple things you can do that will benefit you virtually everywhere you go. Is that And that is increase your skills in interacting with people. If you hate people, your life will be difficult. If you're a jerk, your life will be difficult. If you learn how, when you feel like grumpy and feel like acting like a jerk, to treat people civilly, it will really help you. Uh, you may have learned this with high school teachers already. Um, <laughs> Indira Gandhi said, I suppose leadership at one time meant muscles, but today it means getting along with people. What are some of the people skills to be able to receive and to give criticism? If your skin is that thick and people, you get all offended when somebody is criticizes you a little bit, you got a problem. The only way you get better at things is when it gets drawn to your attention. That feels like criticism. It kind of hurts. It's... That's normal. It's what you do with it when people give those things that hurt. Do I bristle and react? Or do I say, well, thank you. Oh, man, I really don't like them. I wish they hadn't said it that way. But is there any truth to it? Hmm, maybe there's a teeny bit. Actually, maybe there's a bigger bit. 
Um, people skills. Learn how to work with a team. Learn how to communicate clearly. Um, learn some financial skills. Budgeting. Go down there and get the, I think it's a free book. I saw it off the display. I hope it's free. Uh, down there at AF. Maybe I'll check later. <clears throat> you know, here's one. It's, it's a, a beginner's guide to couples financial. Okay, so you're not married yet. But, um, you may get there sometime. So, I mean, there's these little books. They're very simple. Down there at the Anabaptist Financial Book. But they're, they're telling you basic skills. And do it. Technical skills. Um, people were like, well, I don't really need any skills. I'm going to the mission field. <laughs> like, people say that. You know? Like, on the mission field, we just sit there and we worship Jesus all day. No, we do work. You need skills. The more skills you have, the more valuable of a person you are wherever you go. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine. Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Don't be afraid to go on for further training. Many of the blessings in my life that I've experienced have been the result of an investment in preparation. And so, sure, I went to high school. Sure, I went to college. Sure, I went to faith builders. But other things. I had a friend that worked with, um, in Lancaster City, there was this organization called LaVorp. And LaVorp uh, works with first-time juvenile offenders. They have a new name now. Uh, but when you are a juvenile offender, you get convicted. Instead of sending you to lockup or whatever, if it's a fairly low-level crime, you can get assigned to a volunteer who will work out a reconciliation plan that is accepted by the courts. So this, this um, person that works out that plan gets trained, then they go meet with a person who the crime was against. So they spray painted your garage last night. I'm sorry. It's $1,000 worth of damage. And you did it. And so I go meet with you and I talk to you about how terrible it is and how and you're just so upset. She sobs the whole time. Why did she, did she hate me? Did I, did I look at her? I mean, I don't even know what, you know, you go listen to that person. And then I go over here and I listen to the spray bomb expert. And, you know, and I'm like, you know, I, I assess their attitude. Is she really sorry about this? And well, by now she's feeling fairly sorry. And I'm like, okay, well, do you realize you did damage here? This costs money to fix. Uh, are you willing to face up to this? And assuming she's a good person who was running with the wrong crowd and did something really stupid, uh, I will facilitate a meeting where hopefully they won't kill each other. And you're going to be able to say how you feel. Uh, you're going to be able to say that you didn't really hate her. You were just looking for a very convenient, nice white garage that you could spray paint. Uh, and you, uh, you say what you would like in restitution and work it out. It took 40 hours of training to become a LaVorp facilitator. I didn't actually have time to do a lot of facilitating, but I had 40 hours of peacemaker training. Do you think that's been helpful in my life? Wherever I go. Yeah. Um... I went to Life Ministries, and they were count training counselors. And I was sort of interested in, you know, helping people. So I went through, I think it's another 40 hours of training there. Learning how to listen well and to help people work through issues. Do you think that's been helpful in my life?
Um, and I listed some of the other training. I need to move on. You know, in our schools, uh, people have very high criteria in some of our Mennonite schools for uh, teachers. They, they really, really like if they can stand upright and if they can breathe and ideally talk. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it feels sometimes like that's the criteria. You know, you can be much more than that if you're willing to invest a bit. But sometimes people are like, well, I don't really know. I don't know. I don't know. I just want to, you know, live. Just follow God, you know. I'll just do whatever he says. Man, I, I'm listening, man. I'm listening. I'm listening. I mean, I've been listening for five years. I'm listening. Uh, do something. Get trained. Oh, speaking of which, the next one is train. In Luke 2.52, Jesus... Okay, when Jesus was 12, his parents took him to the temple. Luke 2.52 says, And Jesus came back from that experience, and he increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus' task, we believe from approximately age 12 to age 30, was to increase in wisdom, in stature, that happens kind of naturally usually, and in favor with God and in favor with man. That's what I'm talking about. You start strategizing. You're saying, where could I get some extra skills? Where can I work? Then you start saying, okay, I'm going to do some hard work. I'm going to train. I'm going to do some things. One of the places where I did some training was at Abe's Buggy Rides. One of my jobs was as a horse driver at Abe's Buggy Rides. I was not raised with horses. I don't know a lot about horses. But I've driven horses about 3,000 miles now. I've seen a lot of road apples coming right at me. Uh, and while I was doing that, I had people in the buggy with me. These people from New York and New Jersey. And they were saying, like, Woody Amish. And I'd say, stop. And so for years of answering, now, who are the Amish and who are the Mennonites? And how are they different? And what do they believe? And, and so answering these questions over and over and over and over, I wish everybody could do that. For like three years, just sit there and answer tourist questions about who are the Amish. Why do you want the Amish to look bad? So I started trying to figure out why they do what they do. I found out after a while that I had better answers than they did. Some of my best friends were Amish, and they come to me like, now why do we wear hats again? <laughs> I actually have answers for most of the th things they do. Ones that their bishop doesn't have. Like logical ones. Uh, it's great. Um, moving on. I mean, their bishop hopefully has some, but I, I've worked on this, folks. Um, got about seven minutes left here. I worked as an electrician out of high school. Um, that was training. I learned a skill. I don't know if I'd go that far. I, I learned how to work with wires and electricity in a way that's been very helpful to me. Over and over, because I worked as an electrician, I can wire things sometimes. And, and generally the house doesn't burn down. I mean, it hasn't yet. And, and that skill of working only for about a year as an electrician, but it, it's been a blessing all through my life now. 
Now, I knew that being an electrician wasn't my lifelong occupation because I get up in the morning, I go to, over to the shop, I get ready to go out on the job as an electrician, you know, and I get out on the job, I'd work for about four or five hours, I'd check my watch, and it was 8.45. <laughs> you know, and then I'd work for about another six hours, I'd check my watch, and it was 10.50. Uh, it was, the days lasted forever. It was not my cup of tea. When I got into the classroom, days went like, pow. It was like, okay, yeah. Maybe this is where I belong. So, uh, we ask you to strategize. I'm asking you to train. I'm asking you to, oh, that was from the previous one, envision. To dream. Why did God put me on this planet? To start opening your eyes and saying, where are their needs? If you're one of these people that actually has a couple of skills, but you never know how to get started, you don't know how to spot needs, you're, you're kind of helpless. You're always waiting for someone to tell me what to do. But if you can walk into a room and see the floor is dirty and there's a broom right there and you start sweeping, wow, you're a valuable person. If you walk around in God's kingdom and you see a neighbor who has a need and you say, wow, why isn't anybody doing something about this? I could. You become an incredibly valuable person. And all this time, you're just waiting for God to you know, write it on the sky. But guess what? Maybe you'll discover it's in the smaller things of taping, taking the opportunities that I have of spotting needs and meeting them along the way. And maybe as I do that, God will actually reveal my path one step at a time. If we could envision, we could, we could dream. I wish I had time to go into more stories of people who did just that, who could spy a need and then go fill it. If every one of you could say, where can I plug in? There's a need. I mean, let's. So, one of my friends is Ruben Petersheim. He's blabbing across the hall. He's pretty cool. He has a really ugly beard. Uh, <laughs> we insult each other regularly. We've harassed each other since our Faith Builders days together. Um, and so, you may see us kicking each other or different things. We love each other a lot. He's a guy who said, I want to go work in the city. I'm going to go start a school. He started a ministry. He went down to Baltimore. There's like 135 neighborhoods in Baltimore. He picked one. It's called Hamden. And he started a ministry there. Well, there's about 134 left. Okay. And then go to any city in the country. There's a lot of neighborhoods that could use an Anabaptist witness of how, what it means to follow Jesus. Perceive. Listen, how do I transition well? How do I find my way? I learn to listen. What people does God place in our lives? There's, there's coaches. The most important coaches are mom and dad. We need to listen to them. Well, my parents don't believe. Well... I still think that God speaks to us, uh, even through parents who don't believe. We need to hear their heart. Sometimes they say things that don't make sense. 
we started meeting with our teenage daughters. Starla and I uh, take them out. We had our first meeting just recently. They're just in their early teens. And we're talking to them. You know, you're getting to be teenagers now. Your job now is to learn to become independent. You're going to think that mom and dad have some strange ideas along the way. This process of becoming independent means you're going to start thinking and feeling and you're, you're going to change and we're going to seem really weird sometimes and that's actually normal. But what's not normal is if we start getting nasty about it. Develop a learner spirit. You know, I'm, I'm now old enough. I have like seven white hairs um, where sometimes I give advice. But I can sense very quickly whether a person is actually listening and wanting advice. And if I sense, and you're, you don't need to say a word, I can sense whether or not you're really going to hear me. And if I sense that you're not really going to hear me, I'm going to save my breath. I've tried it enough times. i figured out it doesn't help if you're not interested. And so you say, well, nobody ever gives me advice. Well, think about what presence you're projecting. Do you, are you really hungry? Do you, re, have you picked out someone that you really care about what they think, who, who is on a path that you want to emulate, and do you really care about hearing what they say? You know, I was a school teacher for a number of years. I, some crazy people called me up and said, uh, do you want to be an administrator at the school? I was like, I don't know, 17, no, I was 20, probably 20-something, I forget. Uh, and I was not prepared to be an administrator of a very large school. And they asked me to think about it. And I thought about it for about 10 seconds and forgot about it. And then like a couple months later, Lynn Zimmerman called me back and said, uh, hey, did you think about that long enough yet? And uh, I'm like, oh. <laughs> so then I was like, okay, I should think about this. And so I remembered a board chairman, that I, a board I'd been on that I had worked under, who had really, I really respected him. But he'd also gotten really upset with me one time and put me in my place, like, painfully. But I, I knew I could trust that guy. He was an older man who knew his path. He could set young whippersnappers straight. And I called him up, and I said, do you think I should take this job? And he said, yes. And everyone I asked seemed to say the same answer. I ended up taking the job at Ephraim Mennonite School, which was a, a, just a tremendous blessing in many, many ways to our family over the years. And hopefully it hasn't scarred too many of the Ephraim students that are in the room. Gotcha. <laughs> Do I want to hear? The final one is to start. Old saying is it's hard to steer a parked car. You're at a transition stage in life. And if you, the day after your graduation, say, well, it's time to sleep until two, and I'm going to start looking for God's will for my life. <laughs> you get the idea. Find needs. When I was in the youth group, I, I still think I, I'm shocked at myself. I don't know why in the world we presume to do this, but our guy, the guys in our youth group weren't very cohesive. Some of us were a little messed up. Some of us needed some help. 
Um, and so me and a buddy just got together and we said, you know what? <laughs> you know, I don't think we even talked to our cast or anything. We were pretty crazy. But we just said, you know, we want to have a guys accountability group in our youth group. And so we were like, I don't know, once or twice a month, we got together on Monday nights, and I was going out and like renting video series from John Maxwell, and we get together and we get pair pair up and, and ask each other accountability questions, and then we would watch a, a video, and then we'd have some giant feast or whatever, <laughs> and. You know, that thing changed our youth group because there was one guy that was sort of a weirdo in our youth group that we treated like a weirdo, and it was wrong. And one night in my parents' living room, that guy's brother said, guys, this is how you're treating my brother, and it's wrong. And we heard him. And it changed us, and I think it changed that guy's life too. You know? It didn't take rocket science. But we did something. Get started. Um, out of that accountability group, I had this email uh, from one of my best friends who, who, with tears of gratitude, wrote me an email and said, you know, you walked with me in one of the most difficult times of my life. You, know, you, you stood there till 1 o'clock in the morning and listened to me in some of the darkest days of my life. Look for places to, to uh, jump in. Surround yourself with people that are headed in the same direction. If 90% of the people you hang out with are broke, guess what? You probably will be too. So start looking around and saying, where are people that are going in the direction that I want to go? And start hanging out with them. Do things that are hard. I believe I'm out of time. So I'll close. Steps to transition. Strategize, train, envision, perceive, and get started. I really do wish you God's blessings as you transition to the next steps of what God has for your lives. This recording and many others are available from Christian Learning Resource, the campus bookstore at Faith Builders. For more information, call one eight one four seven eight nine four seven six nine or visit us online at www.christianlearning.org.